You are listening to the Crossing Anchor Podcast in Detroit, Michigan. So glad to have you with us today. If this encourages you or helps, please share the word and bless others as well. Let's start with today's content. So I'm excited because we're starting a brand new series of talks today on the subject of faith. Uh, does anybody in this room think that they need more faith? Um, if you're not raising your hand, I want to be like you because I feel like I need more faith. Uh, I, I know that God wants to grow me in my faith, and I believe that he wants to do that for us collectively. I've called this series Faith for the Future. Faith for the Future. Why don't you turn to a neighbor and say, Faith for the Future. Awesome. Turn to the other one that you ignored last time. Say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Here is the deal. The direction that we're heading in life, the direction that we're heading towards what God wants for us is going to require faith to get there. We need faith for our future individually as people, as followers of God, but also collectively as a church, we need faith for our future. I think it's so important that we dive into this. I mean, it's hard to think of any more relevant subject for a church to deal with than faith, right? I mean, we're literally called, according to the government and the world, we're literally called a faith-based organization, right? Without the faith, we don't exist. But it's not just in order to you know, have a nonprofit status, faith is obviously essential. It's essential for knowing God. It's essential for walking in what God has for us and for accomplishing what God has called us to do. We need faith. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks finishing at the first week of December with this series, Faith for the Future. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 has been called by some as the hall of faith, um, which is kind of a cheesy, corny thing to say. But, you know, like the hall of fame for basketball or football or whatever. These are like the kind of heroes of our faith. And Hebrews 11, it details each person's story, a lot of whom we're familiar with, and how they accomplished what God had for them through faith. The word faith in Hebrews 11 is used 32 times. In one chapter. So this is a faith-filled chapter. And I'm excited because at the end of this series, on December 4th, it's going to be Vision Sunday. And we're going to be talking about the future that we're heading into as a church. And you're definitely going to want to mark your calendars and be here for that because I'm so excited about it. But the first couple of weeks, we're going to look at people in this chapter and how they walked according to to faith, And we're going to focus our time on two people in particular who take up the majority of space in this chapter, a guy named Abraham and a guy named Moses. Abraham and Moses. Now, of course, they're not the only people that are talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. I just want to give you a little example of what this chapter is like, because I think it sets the tone for this series. In verse 4, it says, by faith... Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. 
By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, this is important, without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And it continues on and on and on. By faith, by faith, by faith. Some of the scriptures are going to come up on the screen, but I would encourage you, uh, if you have a phone or a Bible, to follow along because we're going to look at different verses in this chapter. I think when we read stories about these people, we think of like these big, huge things that they accomplished. Like, if you go throughout this, some of these people did massive things, like Noah built an ark by faith and survived the worst disaster in human history. Like, that's just one example. There's all these people who did these massive things, but here's what I think you and I need to know for our lives today. It's not just faith for the big stuff that we need. It's not just faith for miracles and faith for financial provision and faith for all this stuff, although we definitely need that, need that as well. It's not just faith for healing, but listen, you need faith to have a healthy family. You need faith to be a good parent. You need faith to be the kind of person that God wants you to be, to walk into the type of career that God wants you to have, to have the type of relationships that you want to have. It's not these big, massive things that you're gonna accomplish by faith. It's also the day-to-day, everyday, ordinary type stuff that you need faith for. Faith is the way to access everything that God has for us. It's the key to unlocking all of the things that God wants to do in our lives. So is anybody ready for faith for the future? I'm looking forward to this. Well, today I usually have like a clever title for a message, but I just called today's message Abraham. Abraham, no, no missing what this message is about. Um, but you know what's kind of cool about this is like, when we read about these heroes in the Bible, like Abraham, I think we kind of view them as almost superheroes, almost unrelatable, far-off, incredible people. And I really believe, truly, if Abraham were to walk in the door today, not dressed how he would have been dressed however many years ago, but he, if he walked in dressed in normal clothes, I guarantee you would probably think Abraham was a very normal person. Like all these people that God used were ordinary people. They just believed God. They had big faith. But you would have felt like you could talk with him, relate with him. And so we're going to talk about Abraham today. But before we get into Abraham, I just want to spend a moment talking about faith itself. What is faith? It's going to be three points today. Our first point is just this, is that faith is being sure. Faith is being sure. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It, it defines faith for us. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What is faith? A lot of times we have a really kind of vague view as to what faith is. And we kind of view faith as almost like wishful thinking or a hope that something happens. Like, man, I sure hope that everything works out. 
I sure hope that I get that promotion. I sure hope that I win the lottery. And we kind of view faith and just hoping for things in a good way as almost the same thing. But when you look at this verse, it doesn't really leave any room for that. Faith is not a couple of things. It's not wishy-washy. Can't remember the last time I used those words, wishy-washy. <laughs> it's not wishy-washy. Faith is not a maybe. Faith is not a long shot. Faith is not a possibility. Faith is not even a probability. Faith is a certainty. It's a sure thing. Having faith as these, or as this verse describes it, it says the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is not flimsy. When you look at the definition of assurance, in, have you ever used the Amplified Bible? It will sometimes like give like kind of definitions as you go through. And it says, now faith is the assurance, and the way it describes assurance is as a title deed. Like you've been given a title deed for something, and you know that it's yours, and you are going to obtain it. It's a confident surety. You might not have it yet, but you're walking as if you did, because it's such a guarantee that you're going to have it. Faith is being Confident. It also says that it's the conviction of things unseen. Sometimes people will use an analogy of like the wind to describe faith. Like you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And you believe that it's there. And I, I think that's a fine illustration for faith. But when it comes to how this is describing it, it's actually even more than that. Because... When you can't see the wind, you still see the effects of the wind. And faith is like, even if I don't see the effects of it right now, I still believe it. That's why I've called this series Faith for the Future. Because if you are going to live a life that's filled with faith, you're going to run into things that make it seem at times like I don't know if what I actually believe is real. Or if, it, if God is there, I don't know if he's actually as good or as powerful as I thought he was. And you're going to run into moments where it seems like you have a choice between moving forward into the future in faith or just staying where you are in uncertainty. And just to encourage you, this chapter, it's not a chapter filled with people who lived the best, most amazing lives. It's actually a chapter filled with people, a lot of them who died horrible deaths. But they got through it because of faith. Because they were so certain that there was something in their future that was better than their now. That they would not give up even when everything was working against them. And that's why verse 9 and 10, talking about Abraham, or verse 10, it says, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham left his hometown and basically went on this extended long camping trip trying to go where God had called him to go, not even knowing where that was going to be, but he did it stepping forward into it because he believed that there was a future foundation for him, a city that was being built whose Maker was God. And I just want to encourage somebody today. Like, 
Just because you haven't gotten there yet doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And, and don't put all of your faith into the here and now as well. You also have to have some faith for the future that involves things beyond this life. Like whether or not I get the job promotion, whether or not this works out, whether or not I experience a physical healing, God is still good and I'm going to be healed when I get to heaven and I'm going to spend eternity with him and everything will be perfect and I'm never going to begrudge him for what I went through on earth when I get there because I'm going to see that somehow he worked it all together for my good and I'm going to be spending eternity there and right now is just a short blip on the radar. I've got faith for my future. Now, I don't want to talk so much about the future that we forget about right here and now because faith definitely does have an impact in this present moment, hello? But we have to understand that there is a better future for us. And, and if your whole faith is built around you experiencing X, Y, or Z right now and it doesn't happen, then your faith is going to collapse. See, faith is a sure thing because faith is based on what God said. Faith is based on what God said. A lot of us, we have faith in the wrong things. Like, sometimes even within church, we can have faith in the wrong things. Like, we're acting as if certain things are promises that God maybe never said. And then we're disappointed when they don't happen because we don't actually know what God said. And that's why Romans 12, 9, it says this. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to have faith in what God said. We can have confidence and assurance in what God said. We can't have confidence and assurance in what we want to have happen. But we can have confidence and assurance in what God said. That's where we need to place our faith. I just think that sometimes we put our faith in the wrong places. Like my wife and I, um, we've been married for seven years. Uh, she's at home right now, hopefully watching the live stream. <laughs> see, we'll see. Uh, text me if you're watching the live stream. So... I believe I've got faith that I'm going to receive a text message. <laughs> no, just kidding. She's watching our son, and um, he, he's not able to come around because he just got out of the hospital, praise God. Um, but we have to kind of be careful with him being around a lot of people. So, um, But anyway, I haven't gotten a text message yet. But um, <laughs> what's that? She commented on the live stream. Okay, well, there we go. There we go. So I will oftentimes come home and discover that I am putting things in the wrong place because the place where they go has moved. And our house is now in a different shape and order than it was previously. Like, I can't even tell you how many times our living room has been reorganized or our cupboards have been you know, gone through and minimized, and we don't have that anymore. And I'm like, hey, where is that? Like, oh, I threw it away. I kind of needed that. Like, <laughs> and there is a double standard in marriage. Like, let's be honest. I throw her stuff away. That's not okay. But she can throw my stuff away. <laughs> and I have to be okay with it. 
But sometimes we get frustrated because we're trying to put something in a place where it doesn't belong. And because it doesn't belong there, it doesn't work. You see, a lot of us place faith in faith. Faith in faith doesn't work. It's not about your faith in the size of your faith. It's about your faith in the size of your God. Faith isn't what makes things happen. God makes things happen. He uses your faith. But it's not about the size of your faith. It's about who that faith is placed in. Listen, you cannot manifest stuff. That's not biblical teaching. That's like worldly, philosophical, like not true. You can only walk into and see happen what God has said can happen. But everything he has said can happen, you can walk into. So be encouraged because there is a lot that God has promised you. And so you need to place your confidence in his promises. And not even in his, uh, not just the promises, but there's also patterns that God tells us to follow And those patterns lead to success. But God doesn't necessarily promise success. He says, here's the pattern to follow, and if you do it, there will be this result most of the time. And some of us are frustrated because we're like, I believe. I've got faith for it. And God's like, okay, well, that's great. But did you put in the process that I told you to put in? Because it doesn't work without the process. And then we're frustrated because my faith doesn't work. And God's like, well, I never promised you that. We can have faith in what God said. If he said it, we believe it. Anybody? If he's, Olivia, how's it go? If he said it, I believe it. Yeah, that's right. Because you're a man of your word. If you said it, I believe it. If God said it, you can walk into it. Why could Peter walk on the water? Because Jesus said, come here. Peter didn't walk on water, he walked on God's word. When God says it, you believe it and you do it. That's what the people in this chapter model for us. It's not faith in faith, it's faith in God. And I'm sorry, I gave the wrong reference earlier. It's not Romans 12, 19, it's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So just one question as we close out this point kind of is, how is your knowledge of the word of God? Like, do you know what this says? Do you spend time reading it? Do you you memorize it? Do you listen to it in audio format or whatever? Because the more that you fill yourself up with God's word, you will fill yourself up with faith. And some of us were like, my faith's not where I want it to be, but we're also not consuming God's word. As we do that, it will increase our faith. And we will be able to walk into everything that he has promised us will happen. And one one thing I love about coming to church is like, it stirs up my faith. When, When we have these moments where we talk about praise reports, God answering people's prayers, that stirs up my faith. Like I think about when my son was in the hospital And people would pray for us and people would encourage us. I remember one of my friends, a pastor friend of mine, called us on the phone as soon as he heard. And he's like, 
He was just speaking life over our situation. And he was saying, I just, I just see in faith, I see birthday parties and I see a legacy and I see your child graduating from high school. And, and that was like, it just help, helped us hold on, you know? And I remember struggling because our son, for the first week or so, he was really struggling. And they didn't tell us this until later, how close he was to not making it. But I just knew things weren't going well. And I remember asking the doctors one morning, I, I said, so are we okay with his, with his progress? Does it need to be happening more or faster? And they're like, like, honestly, it's not going great. And I just remember being so discouraged, even though I kind of felt like God had placed this faith in my heart, but I felt like discouraged in the moment. I remember going and sitting downstairs and I just kind of just felt like you just need to have faith. And, but I was having struggle doubting. And then I, I was sitting at the front waiting for my brother and sister-in-law to come and visit us. And people have to check in at the front desk when they come. And somebody came up to the front desk and they checked in and they're like, okay, what's your name? And she's like, my name is Faith. And I, it was like God's little like, just have faith. And from that moment on, August recovery through the roof. Now, I do, is every circumstance going to work out like that? I don't know. My faith, I have faith for the future, regardless of the outcome right now. But there will be times when God will give you faith for a certain thing. God will give you faith for healing. God will give you faith for a miracle. God will give you faith for a breakthrough. God will give you faith for whatever you need. This is the encouragement. Sometimes we just want to work so hard to build our faith. And God's like, hey, when you get in the moment where you need this, I will give it to you. I'll give you the faith that you need for the trial that you're going to walk in. And when we get into those trials, God wants to give us faith and when we've been consuming his word, we just have that much more arsenal to draw from for the battle that we're in. Faith is sure. Secondly, man, I could just talk about this all day. I'm just, I love this. Faith requires sacrifice. Let's, let's look. I told you we were going to talk about Abraham, and we're just taking pieces of his story today. But if you look at verse 17, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is a really weird, crazy story from Genesis chapter 22. If you know Abraham's story, even in Hebrews 11, it says that when he had his kid, he was basically so old that he was as good as dead. That, that's not, like, it just says that. Like, thanks, the Bible. Like, <laughs> like you're as good as dead. Good luck having a kid. But that's, that's how old Abraham was. He was like 100 years old. And his wife was like, you know, way, way, way past childbearing ages, like 70 or 80 or something, 90. Like, she was just... It was impossible for them to have a kid. But God comes to Abraham and says, you're going to have a kid. And through this kid, you're going to have more descendants. You're going to have descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. And it's impossible. And if I were Abraham and I heard that, I would have thought, I'll probably have even more than one kid. Hello, I need to have like descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. But God just gave him one. And then the only kid that he had 
that he had as a miracle because it was impossible for him to have it, God then later says, I want you to basically give up your son to me. I want you to sacrifice him. Now, just to be clear, God is not the God of human sacrifice. And that was never God's plan. This was, as this passage tells us, a test. Will you offer up your only son, the thing that's so precious to you? And Abraham, this is where his faith is just so, so, so remarkable, is he does not hesitate. He doesn't try to justify like his own unbelief or disobedience. He doesn't try to come up with a reason that that could not be God, and it would be real easy to come up with a reason why that could not be God. First of all, you're asking me to kill my child, so checkbox number one, that is not God. Also, number two, you promised that through him I'm going to have more descendants than the stars in the sky, so this can't be from God. But instead of all of the justification that he could have come up with, he just... And, and the faith that he had was so remarkable, it says in these verses... He considered, verse 19, that God was able even to raise him from the dead. So he's like, okay, cool. Well, I guess God's going to raise him from the dead. That was his mindset because Abraham was filled with such faith in what God had said and faith for his future. He offered up his only son, and if you know the story, he goes to do it, and God stops him. And, and, and he says, now I know that I can basically trust you but faith requires sacrifice. There will be times that your faith will require you to do something that you are scared to death of doing or to give up something that is extremely precious to you. Now, going back to what we said earlier, we have to have faith in what God said. If you are gonna take a step like that, make sure God said it. But if he did say it, then we need to obey. Regardless of how big of a cost and of a sacrifice it is to us. It's a hard thing to do. And I think a lot of us try to run away from it. Maybe it could be a thing. God's saying, hey, I want you to give up this thing that you really like. Maybe it's for a long time, or maybe it's for a season, or maybe God's saying, I want you to give up this relationship. Or maybe it's God saying, I want you to give up this job, or this dream, or this career. My wife and I, we had a dream of planting a church in London, and, and we felt like, in a moment, God spoke to us through his word. I remember reading this passage in Corinthians that said, you fool, it's usually how God speaks to me, it starts off with, you fool, <laughs> said, don't you know that what you sow does not come to life unless it dies? I knew we needed to give up London. But I also know that through death comes resurrection. Whatever you give up, God will give you back so much more. Like, and it might be something that you lay down on the altar and God says, awesome, now that I know I can trust you, I'm gonna give you way more than you ever imagined. I wanted to make sure your heart was in the right place. I wanted to make sure you were doing this for the right reasons. But whatever God calls us to sacrifice, it's so worth it. 
Maybe the sacrifice is your life. I'm not talking about, you know, like a physical death. I'm saying the Bible says in Romans 12, 1, to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. God wants you to be on the altar, surrendered to him. Like, okay, God, whatever you want, whatever you say, I'm not trying to do my thing, I'm trying to do your thing. Like, whatever you want to do. And sometimes we think about that for these big moments, but even if it's just day-to-day, God, whatever you want to do today, however you want to use me today, whoever you want to have me speak to today, to serve, to encourage today, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice. Maybe for some of you, the thing that God would call you to give up would be in your finances, because he doesn't want you to trust in your finances. He wants you to trust in him. One way that we do that on a consistent basis is through tithing. It's a way to guard our hearts from getting too tied to our money. Putting God first in our finances, not saying, okay, God, if I have something left over, I'll give you what I got. But saying, no, I'm gonna switch the order. You're gonna have first dibs on my finances. And so I give to you out of that obedience, knowing that you've called me to put you first. That like 10% of what comes in immediately goes back to you. But then there's times, like I believe tithing is just the training wheels of giving. Like God wants to graduate us beyond that. I I remember one year, I'll just share this story. Maybe it'll be an encouragement to you. I've shared it before, so forgive me if you've heard it. But I feel like most of you probably haven't. Our, our church in year one, we decided to do a conference. I'm actually wearing the sweatshirt of that conference. And um, it was a step of faith for us. Like we really, in a lot of ways, didn't know how it was going to happen. But we moved forward in faith. And um, I remember going to the post office to send a check that we needed to send to pay for something for the conference. And I was even just going to the post office, like getting ready to send the check, and I'm like, are we, is this the right thing? I open up the mailbox, and ex- no exaggeration, there is a check in our mailbox for 10 times the amount of what I just sent out. God gives you those confirmations along the way, you know, like as you take the step of faith. Now, was that check in the mailbox before I sent the check? Sure, but it's like symbolic. Sent the check first, then saw the other check there. Like, will we step forward in faith when we don't know? But we're trusting God and we're sowing into what he's called us to do. I just know that God is a debtor to no one. And you will never regret obeying him. But I know a lot of people who've regretted not obeying him. Lastly, Our last point, faith is sure, faith requires sacrifice, and this is maybe my favorite point, faith is for salvation. Romans 4.3 is not going to come up, or it is going to come up on the screen, Romans 4.3. It says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham's the father of faith. Like he's called that in the Bible. And even more than just the Bible, all three major world religions try to claim Abraham. Like Islam, Christianity, and Judaism are all fans of Abraham. There's a reason for that because he was the first one to step out 
and do something like this when God had called him to do it. And he's been, over time, venerated for that. And I wonder how that was for Abraham because a part of his story that we didn't really get into is he's living in this land called Uz. It's like a pretty awesome place. And God says, I want you to leave and go to where I'm going to call you. And so he literally leaves like not knowing where God's telling him to go exactly, leaving all of his stuff behind. I mean, he was able to take stuff with him, but like leaving everything he knew behind. And God blessed that act of faith so much that we're reading about it millennium and millennium later. What if Abraham hadn't taken that step of faith? We would not know his name. He would have been lost to history. Another person who we haven't heard much about. But it's those people who dare to take God at his word that stories are written about and that people follow. And Abraham stepped out in faith to an unknown land and God blessed him. And he's been called the father of faith. And when God told him, I'm gonna give you descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky, he believed him. And the Bible tells us that when he believed God, God credited it to him as righteousness. This is the path to salvation. The way that you get into a right standing with God is not through working more, trying harder, you know, making sure to dot all your I's and cross all your T's. You get to church every weekend. You are a very nice person. People consider you as a moral, ethical person. Like all that stuff doesn't do anything to get you right with God. There's a distance between us and God that's been created because of this thing called sin. And because of this gap between us, no matter how hard we try, we can never cross the gap. We can never close the gap. The only way to close the gap between us and God is through belief, faith. And the faith that we're supposed to have is a faith that says Jesus lived the perfect life for me. And Jesus' death on the cross paid for my sin. And so I put all of my faith in that. Not in myself, not in my own good works, not in my own quote-unquote righteousness. None of that does anything to help close the gap between me and God. It's just faith. That's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, for by grace you are saved through faith. Grace covers over every wrong that we've done and we receive that grace through faith. And so I just want to ask you today, is there anyone in here who has not put their faith in Jesus? Not in acknowledging that he's a good person, not in even agreeing that he's probably everything that he said he was, but in actually placing your entire faith on him for your righteousness. That's what gets you to God. That's why it says that in Romans, it says that our righteousness, our good works to God, are, they're like as filthy rags. And not to get too detailed here, but the word that Paul uses in the Greek actually refers to like used menstrual garments. He's saying, he's trying to illustrate a point. Your good works are never going to get you there. 
It's only the sacrifice of Jesus. And so today, if you have not made the exchange of your sin for his salvation, I want to invite you to do that and to trust Jesus as your savior. In God's economy, you trade in your sin and you get his righteousness. It's the best exchange rate. Like, it doesn't matter how valuable the dollar gets or how much it loses the dollar. Like, can, can, like yeah, I think our dollars go, like one dollar is like $1,000 in Canada. It's crazy. <laughs> but then you go to England and one dollar is like a penny. <laughs> the best exchange rate you could possibly have is giving your sin and getting righteousness. And Abraham is justified before God by faith. Like, when you, we get to heaven, nobody's gonna be like, yeah, I kind of deserved to be here. <laughs> Everybody is gonna be like, I'm here by faith, including Abraham. And so he sets an example for us, and I wanna invite you today to trust God with your future. You can trust him with your future, which also means you can trust him with your present, and you can trust him with your past. You can trust him with all the wrong stuff that you've done, that he'll forgive it, and not just forgive it, but redeem it. You can trust him with your present because he has promised he'll never leave you or forsake you, and that he's gonna work everything together for your good. And you can trust him with your future because there's eternity awaiting you. Paradise, forever, where you'll be with God and there will be no more sin, no more pain, no more disease, no more sickness, and you'll live in God's light for eternity, which sounds pretty amazing. And we can trust him, no matter how bad inflation gets. It's, it's real, inflation's real. But God's realer, y'all. And so I'm gonna have my faith in him with every area of my life, my finances, my relationships, my job, and ultimately my salvation. Can we pray together? God, thank you for what you're doing in this room. I just pray you'd stir up faith, even right now, stir up faith in our hearts to believe what you have said, to not trust in ourselves or our own wisdom or our own thoughts, but to trust in you and your word. And God, I pray if there's anyone in here today that does not realize it, but they are currently on a trajectory that would send them into an eternity that they do not want that is not meant for them. I pray that today you would open their eyes to your goodness and your salvation through Jesus as their savior. That you have not destined them for that, but you've destined them for grace and for redemption. And if there's any in here today who want to trust, woo, if there's any in here today who want to trust Jesus as your Savior, it means laying down your own thoughts of how you could make things right with God and just fully putting all of your weight on what Jesus did at the cross and saying, he's my righteousness, he's my perfection, I'm getting grace from him, he is my goodness, he is my God, it's all about him. If you just wanna receive that free gift of salvation that you need, then today I just wanna invite you in just a moment to raise your hand and say, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. 
not just as a good person or a moral teacher or an example to follow, but as my Savior. And if that's you today, I just want you to signal that you would like to trust Jesus and walk into an eternity with him just by raising your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? This is an intimate moment between you and God. I'm just, the hand's going up. Let me know kind of what's happening in the room and who to pray for. I want you to say this. It's not this prayer that saves you. It's your faith in Jesus that saves you. But if you just want to say to God, God, I trust you. I turn from my sin. I turn to you as my Savior. Come in and forgive me and change me and make me new. I don't want to go into eternity without you. I don't want judgment that I deserve, but I want forgiveness and grace that you give. I give my life to you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Cross and Anchor podcast from Detroit, Michigan. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and share this with others. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. And let's live our lives on purpose.